Good morning, church. Holy, holy, holy. Let us worship God in holiness this morning. Let us pray, please. Our gracious Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. For you are incredible and amazing and wonderful. We stand in awe of you and your presence. And we thank you for accepting our worship. We thank you for being present. We thank you for guiding us and guarding us and leading us. We thank you for strengthening us. And we thank you for blessing us this morning to arise from our beds of slumber, to be able to arrive here this day, to worship you in holiness. Thank you for Jesus, your great son, who died that we might live. Thank you for the amazing sacrifice that's made in our behalf. Thank you, O God, for taking our place. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee, if it be thy will. Amen. Welcome both members and visitors. We thank you for being here this morning to worship our God together. Our lesson title this morning is rather obvious. It's all about Jesus. Our lives should be all about Jesus. Everything should be all about Jesus. The Bible is all about Jesus. Our salvation is all about Jesus. How much time do you have this morning? Looking back in the Old Testament, many have called the divine regulations boring. But you do realize that they're all about Jesus. And it's when one takes a deeper look into the divine regulations, they realize and see the depth of those that those are all about Jesus. The Old Testament leads us from the physical on to the spiritual. We go and we look at the feast and the laws and the regulations, and we, we gain more clarity about God through those, those divine regulations. And I want to talk just for a moment about the three celebrations of the law of Moses. And I want to talk just for a moment about how they point to Jesus. And we start back in Leviticus chapter 23. The Feast of Tabernacles, also called the Feast of the Lord, the Feast of Booths, or in gathering, basically it's a Thanksgiving harvest. It's the people, they dwelt in booths to commemorate the life that they shared in the wilderness with God, with Jesus. Leviticus 23 in verse 33, uh, the Bible says, Again the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the sons of Israel saying, On the fifteenth of this seventh month is the feast of booths for seven days to the Lord. Verse 42 please. You shall live in booths for seven days. All the native born in Israel shall live in booths. So that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths. When I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the sons of Israel the appointed times of the Lord. When God 
brought them or delivered them out of Egypt. And we know when we take a deeper look at that, it was Jesus. They're celebrating Jesus. Of course, they didn't understand that in that day, but we need to gain a deeper understanding of that today. In Exodus chapter 17, this commemorated being under the protection of God in the wilderness. And in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 15, Moses writes after uh, the whole incident with the rock, and Moses writes, and Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is my banner. His banner over me. Jehovah Nisi, right? You've read it, you've heard it, I think, echoed. The Song of Solomon uses that same idea and says, His banner over me is love. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 3. The Song of Songs uses an allegory of God's relationship with, with His children. And He says, His banner over me is love. Moses says God's banner over me. The whole idea is that Jesus is over us. Jesus was over them in the garden or in the wilderness. And in Exodus 3, there's a great, a great passage to understand. Beginning in verse 4. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. And so Moses was in the house. Jesus is over the house. God's protection upon his people. Hebrews chapter 8. Moses and all of Israel served under the greatness and the glory of our God. In Hebrews 8, the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. Well, Jesus gave the law of Moses, and he died to change the law of Moses. Hang on for one second. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 4. Now, if we are, were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, speaking of Jesus, since there are those who offer the gifts according to the law who serve a copy of the sh- in the shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle. For see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. But now he obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for the second. You see, the first covenant could not save. The first covenant could, the first covenant had a purpose and it had a point, but it could not save. In Hebrews chapter 7, beginning at verse 11, the Bible says, Now if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it, the people received the law. What further need was there for another priest? to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and to be designated according to the order of Aaron. For when the priesthood is changed, of necessity there takes place a change of law 
also. The law and the priesthood had to be changed. But who has the authority to change the divine law of God? Anybody want to take a stab at it? Jesus. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15. And for this reason is a mediator of a new covenant. In order that since the death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where a covenant is, there must of necessity be the death of the one who made it. For a covenant is valid only when men are dead, for it is never enforced while the one who made it lives. Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, please. And so the Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, going back to the idea of, of a celebration, it's all about, it's all about Jesus. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and uh, verse 6, the Bible makes it clear that that whole idea of unleavened bread and the Passover out of Egypt is all about Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven that you may be a new lump just as you are in fact unleavened for Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed Exodus chapter 12 Christ our leaven Christ our Passover rather Christ our gift giver everything's about Jesus when you go back and you read the Old Testament look deeply into the scriptures and, and, and find Jesus everywhere in the Bible it will change you forever Exodus 12 and verse 23. Back to the Exodus, the Passover. For the Lord will pass through and to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come in to your houses to smite you. Now that was a scary, scary night. Can you imagine just having faith and there's this blood over the doorpost and that blood was supposed to keep the destroying one from coming in and, and taking lives, physical lives. And that's all about Jesus. And I want you to think about the depth of that meaning for you as you live physically in this world, in this life, that it's the blood of Jesus that allows God, that allows the Godhead to pass over you. To save you from your sins. And that was a scary night. But there was rejoicing because God passed over them. 
And in verse 24, the text says, And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. The church, we have Jesus. Do this in remembrance. What are you remembering? Please turn to your New Testament books in Galatians chapter 3. What are you remembering? Not just on the first day of the week. What are you remembering in your life about Jesus? What does your baptism mean to you? The day that you went down into the watery grave and you were resurrected by God. The old man died, the new man rose. You're walking in the newness of life. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What are you remembering every day, church? Jesus. Are you remembering Jesus every day? It has to be about Jesus. What's your life about? See, we have to move from the life that I live being about me to being about Jesus. In Galatians 3 and verse 24, Therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And you go back and you read the Old Testament and we're reading and we're reading Acts, Acts chapter 4 and you're reading and you're reading and you're going, okay, this is the event that happened and here's the celebration and this is what they were supposed to do. You've got to see Jesus. Everything points us to Jesus. It has to be all about Jesus. Is it all about Jesus for you and your relationship with the Lord? So think for just a moment, going back to all the laws and, and the feasts. And, and the, I want you to go back to the book of Leviticus with me and, and just think for a moment. We're staying in Acts. I want you to think for a moment about the, the, what, the, what the priest, the high priest had to do. You know, the whole idea, and you start reading about it, he takes his big thumb and he, and he puts the, dips it in the blood and he puts it on his big toe and on his right earlobe. And, and you start reading that and you go, what does all this mean? And then there's a the perfect lamb, and, the, and there's the inspection time of the lamb, and all those. What does all that mean? I want you to understand the importance and the intricacies involved in the forgiveness of your sins. But it's from the Godhead that, that God has done this. What does it really mean that God has washed your sins away? What does it really mean? What about the intricacies of your life? Every sin that you have committed, God sees it. And when, when Jesus' blood washes over you through baptism, every sin, every sin, thoughts, every deed has to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Everything has to be perfectly aligned. That's why God does it by Himself. You surrender, but God does it by Himself. And the Bible tells us, there's no other name. Acts 4, verse 12. There's no other name. There's no other name by which mankind can be saved. There's no other name. It's all about Jesus. 
It's all, everything is about Jesus. There is salvation in no one else, in no other place, in no other ideology. It's nowhere other than in Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. And this morning when you stand in the midst of the world, and you put that in your brain, and you recognize that, and you surrender to that, it doesn't matter what man does to us. Your fear that you may have or your reluctance that you may have to, to speak the name Jesus in the presence of others. Get rid of that fear. Get rid of that fear. Get rid of that idea that, well, I'm trying to maintain this relationship with someone so on so I can't speak the name of Jesus. It has to be about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. And there's salvation in no one else. You can't find it in any other place. Acts 4 and verse 12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There is no one else. There is nothing else. You can't even save yourselves. It's all about Jesus. The intricacies. Turn to, um, uh, for just a moment to the book of 1 John. The intricacies involved. In the forgiveness of our sin. We think, you know, you think about it and you go, okay, well, Jesus came. I want you to think about the perfection in Jesus. The life that he lived in perfection because he's God. And that life that he lived was so perfect. It was the only way we could be saved. Through perfection. How much perfection? We don't even have a word to describe that. It's divine perfection. It's without sin. Without sin. A careless thought. Without a careless thought. Without a sinful thought. Without a sinful action. In the next four, uh, first John, rather, chapter 2, there's this word that God gives us, propitiation, right? This advocacy, if you will. Beginning of verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. You see the problem? I've already violated that verse time and time again. But look at what God does and what God did. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The righteous. The righteous can justify the wicked. Jesus, the advocate for me. When I stand before God, what excuse do I have? What could I say to God? To have God say, well, based on that thought, based on that concept, that idea, I'm going I'm to wash away all your sins. There's nothing I could say. There's nothing I could do. I needed and need an advocate. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And in verse 2, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. He is the, propiti he is the only satisfaction, if you will, satisfactory idea, thought, or whatever, however you want to put that in there. He's it. There's nothing else. There's never been anything else. There never will be anything else. It's an absolute impossibility for it to be anything other than Jesus. 
and people have the nerve to use his name in vain. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. You see how you see what God's saying? It's not us. <laughs> and don't pat yourself on the back. It's not us. But he sent his son to be the propitiation. Whatever God has to do, it's that, that perfect blood of the lamb. But there was no perfect lamb. It's only Jesus. He sent his son to be a propitiation for our Sins. He passed over, Romans chapter 3, he passed over our sins. When you go back and read the Exodus and you think about that, God passed over their sin. God passed over their houses. And God saved them. And there was no other way to be saved but through Jesus. And there's no other way to be saved but through Jesus. But now apart from the law, Romans 3 verse 21. The righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all those who believe, for there's no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute, what did he say? Being justified as a, as a what? A work? It's a gift. Who gave you the gift? Jesus. Don't you love Jesus? I mean, we love folks to give us gifts on our birthday. Jesus gave us salvation as a gift. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. And this was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. Jesus is our Passover. Wow. Genesis chapter 3. How did God pass over the sins that were previously committed? And it was through mercy manifested. We read about this. We've studied this. <laughs> the mercy seat. And the cross. When did God decide to give us this gift? A gift that must be received. Right? The gift is available, but you have to receive it. You have to desire it. You have to hold out your arms and let God give it to you. In verse 14, the Lord said to Satan, or to the serpent, because you have done all this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and Thus you shall eat. So we are the recipient of a gift. And being a recipient of the gift, you don't get to decide. You know, 
God didn't give the gift to Satan. Nor his angels. I mean, he had the gift, if you will, being with God in the presence of God. But when he sinned, God didn't extend that gift to Satan. But he extended that gift to us. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. God knew that mankind would sin. Ephesians chapter 3. The Godhead made an eternal plan to save us. A plan that existed in the mind of God before he made us. Before he made the world. And God also knew this. That some of mankind would refuse his gift. We'll come up with our own ideas, right? You ever talk to people about salvation? And they'll tell you things like, well, you know, I worship the God of the hills. I worship the God in the, in the trees, in the mountains. I worship I worship God in this way. I do this and I do that. And we come up with all these ideas. But there's no other salvation. It's all about Jesus. In verse 8, the Bible says, To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. <clears throat> in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This is in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about that. It was hidden in God. If I make them, I got to die for them. And I'm willing to do it. It's all about Jesus, church. What is my life? What is my life about? Is it all about Jesus? Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. And that's an absolute impossibility without Jesus. Is it all about Jesus? We'll begin to wrap up. If he, uh, Hebrews uh, uh, chapter 9. From the, the Godhead, the crucifixion was done before the foundation of the earth. Our salvation is manifested, made known, realized through Jesus. The faithful high priest is Jesus. The high priest over the years. Look, when you read the Old Testament, you've got to move from the physical to the spiritual. right? Move from the, the things you can see and touch and smell and, and test, right? From the physical to the spiritual. You do that in the New Testament. But go back into the Old Testament and see the spiritual that God has given to us through the physical. So he gave you a temple. And then we have the church. And he gave you a high priest. And then you have the church. And then, you, I mean, he gave us everything in the church. 
Hebrews 9, verse 1. Now, even the first covenant had regulations of divine worship in the earthly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle prepared, the outer one, in which were the lampstand and the table and the sacred bread. This is called the holy place. And behind this second veil, there was a tabernacle, which is called the holy of holies, having a golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold, which was a golden jar holding the manna, and Aaron's rod, which budded, and the tables of the covenant. And he goes on to talk about the cherubim in chapter 5, and we talked about that. And every year they went through the same thing over and over and over again to bring a sacrifice for their sins, for the high priest to go in to the Holy of Holies to produce a sacrifice for the sins of the people. that pointed to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Because that was not enough. That was no good. God tells us that it was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. It's an absolute impossibility. Well, why were they doing it? They were going from the physical to the spiritual. And in verse 11, the Bible says, but Christ, when Christ appeared, as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and the bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The outside, Old Testament, Holistic man, Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So I encourage you to go back and read the Bible. Go back into the old book. Read it, the Old Testament. Read it and look for Jesus. Jesus. Look at God's plan about Jesus. God's plan from the very beginning to the end is Jesus. And remember... When we leave this earth, we're going to stand before God. And the only one who can speak in your behalf is Jesus. If you're not a Christian today, I know folks don't like to say it, but it's true. You don't have Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, it's an absolute impossibility for you to be saved. Church, if we walked away from Jesus, you don't have Jesus. It's an absolute impossibility to be saved. It's all about Jesus. This morning, if you need to make a confession, if you need to ask God to bring you back into his stead, if you need to go to God and pray, whatever you need to do this morning, if we can help you in any way, please make it known while together we stand.
and sing our song of invitation.